This is On the Block with Stricken Austin. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here as the Big Eight tournament champion. Middle school basketball coaching legend and Duke basketball shooting coach in his mind, Austin Orman. Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America, on air and online at theticketfm.com. Brought to you by Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul. This is On the Block with Stricken Austin. We are back on the block. East Strick here in Austin, Oreman. Thank you for joining us for the second hour of On the Block. All the blockheads out there, we appreciate you. And also to our sponsor, Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul. We appreciate them as well. Shout out to Charles and the crew. Go out there to 27th and Pine Lake and have a meal or two because the crew will take care of you. But listen, I wanted to jump into this, man, because we've 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 witnessed something going on in college basketball. Um, we talked about the similarity to, um, to 2011. Uh, season of how there was just kind of some close correlations that were going on there. Um, How Butler was able to kind of put it together. And and I was thinking about that as well. Looking at that Butler team, who was on it? uh, Who's on that Duke team too that actually won it? John Shire, who is now the coach Mm -hmm. at at Duke. He was on that team uh, for Mike Krzyzewski. Um, But then you also look at Gordon Hayward, who was also on that, you know, who helped raise the bar, uh, Sheldon Mack. Uh, they made a tremendous run, but guess who the coach was for them? Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens. And so when we talk about coaches, and we're talking about you know FAU and, and, and their situation down there with all their players coming back, their coach, um, he's looking to stay and, 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 and build something unique there. And that, that goes in, in tune to what we have shared as well. Um, I think as I look at those two, there's um, – some similarities in charisma and the way that they, you know, handle, recruit, deal with their players. Um, but I, I, I want to say that if you're going to make that transitional jump, I like the way Brad did it. Brad went pro, went to the, the next level now in the front office. So that was a truly upward trajectory mm-hmm. for him. Um, sometimes I, I think there's a capability. Tell me a coach. Um, if you can, if you can off the head, tell me a coach that has made a significant jump like that. That's come from an FAU, a, you know, a Florida Gulf Coast, uh, you know, something of that nature, a Butler, a Ball State, whatever, right? And made that jump to like a blue blood level, and then was able to have significant success. Sutter Heyman text line, you can help us with this as well. Four zero two. Four six four five six eight five. I really want to know because when you talk about the trajectory, I like the trajectory of Brad Stevens. If you're going to do it, do it. Go that route. You know, have success because we've seen even blue blood type coaches, Patinos, so forth and so on, make the leap but just can't get it done at that level, and they end up coming back, right? Do they maintain blue love, blue blood uh, status? We've seen also blue blood level coaches make transitional moves where you have Roy Williams, who came from a, a blue blood program, went to another blue blood program, had success, didn't really, you know, s- you know, break through the way that he had hoped to, 
in that situation. Uh, and then we see a changing of the guard. I mean, you see Jay Wright leaving. You have a lot of these top tier type of coaches, obviously Shashevsky and 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 those uh, moving on. And with those coaches leaving those blue blood programs, we knew that there would be a change. Where would the change come from? And that's where the question comes in for you guys today. Are the blue bloods falling? Are they falling? Um, can it be restored? Um, because when you look at the list, UCLA, Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke, Indiana. Indiana hasn't won a championship since 87. 87. Right? Mm-hmm. You look at UConn. They, until, they were working on 10 years up until was able to break through this last year. But they're still not 214. But yeah, people are starting to kind of, you know, you know, put that in a debatable state because they've won five national championships. You have UCLA at 11, Kentucky at 8, North Carolina at 6, Duke at 5, Indiana at 5, UConn even has more than the traditional case. Now, I understand your 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 argument, I like it. I think that makes it debatable. Uh, Kansas, because they've just, even though they may go out uh, with a one in twelve, uh, you know, they may lose early. Mm-hmm. They may go out, but yes, we still know that they're there regularly. They're they're regularly winning conference championships and at the top tier of their conference and getting it done. So we know that's the case. But are they falling? It's hard for me to say no, but it's hard for me to say yes mm-hmm. because uh, let's start with. It's hard for me to say, no, the Blue Bloods aren't falling. Mm-hmm. Because look at the teams that have caught them. Alabama hired an analytically savvy head coach that got a one seat. That's done really well in the SEC. Really good basketball conference the last few years. Houston hired the right head coach in a talent-rich area. Not a traditional power. I know they have... And he's from Oklahoma, Oklahoma. And he finds his way going there and mm-hmm. rebuilding. Go ahead. Yeah. I love it. So Houston, good basketball school. Yeah. Not a blue one. Sprung up from yeah. the AAC, which mm-hmm. wasn't that great. Um, Kansas as a one-seed Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Right. But they're... Yeah, they're, they're new blood. We, we, know what, we know what Gonzaga is. But even like Miami, Tennessee... Right. Virginia, who I know they have the Ralph Sampson days, but again, not traditional basketball power, even if they've right. had good teams in the past, are teams we start to think about, especially when we get the the regular season conversation. They're, they're winning a lot of conference championships. Tony Bennett, what he's done defensively at Virginia has been great. On the flip side of that, what Laranega's done in the ACC with you know uh, Miami has been great. Rutgers has come out of nowhere with Steve Peichel to, to be in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um Iowa and Fran McCaffrey, not a traditional basketball right. power, is, is up there. What so, about Georgetown? How do you view Georgetown with with no before obviously before big fella, my my guy mm-hmm. Ewing got there, but Thompson, what he was able to put together, the runs he made, you know, with morning and yeah, good need to be better. They need to clearly be better. should be better. It's better for basketball if Georgetown's good. Yeah. So, in some cases, the Blue Bloods are slipping. Outside of outside of Kansas, who's you know won the Big Twelve however many years out of the last you know twenty five, it's most of them. Kentucky isn't winning the SEC every year. Duke and Carolina aren't winning the ACC every year. UCLA has been solid, but they're better under Cronin than they had been In since their last championship run. Yeah, um, and the, and I think the deepest run they made was before that was with Ball. Yeah, and I think mm-hmm. that was what Elite Eight. Something like that. Something like that. But it was rare. rare. It was was kind of unexpected. Because 95 has been the last time that they even got a sniff. Exactly. The Big East 
you haven't had one dominant team since yeah. that conference came back. So in that sense, the Blue Bloods are slipping. You see more teams in the top 10 than I think you ever have before. More different teams yeah. where you should be able to say, yep, Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, UNC, UCLA, five of your top 10 spots are taken. Just yeah. right there. Not anymore. There's a lot more parity. But then you look at, you know, say the last few tournament brackets. You know, Duke still gets a five seed. UCLA gets a two seed. Kansas gets a one. Kentucky gets a six. Not bad. Not great. But if these are, are down years for Duke and Kentucky, if UCLA's back under Cronin, Kansas still in that one-two line, it makes sense. They're still in the conversation because yeah. you can't count them out. Where I will say I think other teams are gaining on these blue blood strick is they're doing it differently. When you think of Duke and Kentucky, you think of three words, one phrase, one and done. Mm-hmm. That's been the model since 2009, 2010. Yeah. The way other teams have caught up to them, the way Kansas has stayed in that conversation the whole time, the way Carolina built its teams was by getting old and staying old. Mm-hmm. Duke and Kentucky tried to catch lightning in a bottle. But if you look at Houston, if you look at Alabama, if you look at Miami, Tennessee, for those examples we've thrown out for this year. Heck, even Villanova, when they made their runs, got old, stayed old. Mm-hmm. That's the inefficiency that the non-traditional powers, quote-unquote, exploited. And I think the Blue Bloods are going to recognize that and start catching up. Yeah. With, you know, like the, the Ignite catching mm-hmm. on, with mm-hmm. Overtime Elite catching on a little mm-hmm. bit, with Overseas still being an option. I think we will see more one-and-done schools traditionally go away from that model because they see it's easier to be more consistent over a 35-game schedule with older players. I would have to agree with you, and so does Bill and Bennett. Uh, Bill and Bennett basically agreed the same thing, and he says that Blue Bloods aren't falling. The rest of the nation is just catching up. And I love that because I think your, you know, your, your assessment of that is, is valid because I, I look at it, and whenever I've seen uh, the success, it's definitely a – veteran-laden type of team. And I think that's where a lot of these other conferences and teams are going with. They're going with those players that have experience, have an ability that uniquely fits what they're trying to do and the character of their team, fitting them and placing them in, and it just gives them a depth that will enable them to be able to sustain and be consistent throughout a longer part of that season. Mm Mm-hmm. So when you have those lulls, when you have those down days, when the players, some of them hit walls, whether it be with finals or whether it be with just just the tiredness of the week or just the mental blocks that kind of can go on in a college, you know, <laughs> week or day or month, mm-hmm. that there's that guy that, 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 that strong senior or junior or transfer that feels that void and is able to pick up the slack. And that so that's really that good gives. college player. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And 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 one of the things that I've I've been listening to I've, I've I've listened to some interviews, and a lot of people talk about the struggles of even just NBA athletes transitioning overseas to Europe. Right. Uh, they're talking about how difficult it is because the way that the game is played is uniquely different. There's less space. There's more, um, you know, uh, scouting. There, you know, you've got to be able to shoot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you've got to be a little bit more skilled. Mm-hmm. Your spacing and passing's got to be on point and on time. 
and it's a little bit more physical. So fouls and frustration that guys weren't used to in the NBA because if you touch them, it's a foul. <laughs> Whereas over there, you might get uh, you know shackified. You got to play through a little bump and grind, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm seeing that a lot of these college players that have that seasoning, that have that little bit of spice on them, is the way that you're able to transcend and go through uh, this 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 gauntlet of mm-hmm. what we're seeing now as far as uh, collegiate basketball and trying to win these games. The best teams with one and dones have had surefire NBA guys. Yeah, you know because a lot of even with even your team with Duke with Zion mm-hmm. and, and RJ <laughs> all the and pros Ham that they had there got beat by an old Michigan State team. <laughs> <There> you, <laughs> the other thing, the other thing, the great equalizer that I found is so many of these one and done guys. Yeah, their biggest issue isn't the physical nature. We've seen plenty of built guys that can, for the most part, hang through a full season physically. Maybe not even mental, especially if you have the right role guys around them. The biggest issue and the biggest equalizer that I've seen for Duke, for Kentucky, for these Carolina teams that have struggled with one and dones is shooting. Yes. Shooting the basketball. Yes. Guys, you know, are you so used to They're volume shooters, but not not, not consistent. consistent. They're used to it, you know, taking their their three dribble pull-ups, their step backs, everything like that. They struggle to catch and shoot, yeah. which should be the easiest shots, the most efficient points. Duke hasn't shot well, which is, again, why I have that in the open. Yeah. If I if they let me teach Duke to shoot, great. <laughs> Kentucky has shot, you know, sub 35%. Yeah. Seems like forever. Yeah. Their spacing is so cramped. Yeah. And if you can pack the paint on these guys, it doesn't matter how physically talented they are because you got an old grown man waiting for you in the paint. So... That's where I think, you know, again, you look at Houston, good shooting team. Miami, good shooting team. Alabama got a one seed on the backs of they shoot layups and they shoot threes. Talent can take you so far, but scheme and principles with old man strength, old man guile and wisdom, more often than not, we've seen win out. I just recently saw a, um, an interview that Kobe did. Mm. Kobe being Bryant, uh, we came in the same year together, battled. Um, tremendous uh, work ethic in every facet of the game. And he said he hates AAU ball Hmm. because it's everybody trying to handle, overhandle. um, You know, you're able to come off pick and rolls, come back. It's all about the show. And it reminded me of a time when I played in the summer league, (laughs) playing in the summer league in D.C. And in D.C., Guys, they couldn't shoot. I mean, there were some guys in this <laughs> league that just couldn't shoot, but they could cross you over and do all. I'm covering a guy. A guy does a crossover move. He doesn't lose me, but he did it. He gets it. a little bit of space. Mm-hmm. He doesn't shoot, and then he tries to do it again. And I'm telling you, I'm right there. I'm not. I'm not. But everybody's like, ooh, ooh. Everybody is chasing the ooh mm-hmm. because then he shoots an air ball. So you ooed. <laughs> You ooed the cross, but it was a it was a hundred dollar move and a five dollar shot. It was ooh ooh ooh, right? And that's the issue with AAU ball. Mm-hmm. It's all about how you top head somebody. It's all about how you break somebody's ankle and make them fall. It's not about the skill set of what it takes in order to win basketball games. Speaking of AAU, rumor has it you're getting back in the game. 
Yeah, I'm going to get into back into refereeing, man. I, I'm going to start in a couple of weeks. Uh, there's going to be a big uh, a tournament that comes in, Adidas Gauntlet Tournament. And uh, I, I, I was going to go out to uh, Phoenix and do an Under Armour tournament, but I think it's better to just stay home. It'll be a little bit more comfortable. I'll get a little bit better sleep and uh, be able to run a little bit. <laughs> to, to your point on AAU, how much of that is on the players and how much of it's on the coaches? It's on the coaches. Coaches? It's on the coaches because it, it became about the money. It became about getting the best players on my team to draw the biggest shoe brands so that I can get sponsorships. Gotcha. Or I can scholarship this amount of players and then have a certain amount pay. And so now you have, what, eight teams, you know, 14, 12, maybe 12 up to 17s mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be, however far you go. And it, so it became about money. And it's not about skill development. That's why I love some of the Nebraska teams, and that's why some of the Nebraska teams have success because guys like Greg Hepburn and guys like um, Alvin Mitchell and you know guys like Curtis Marshall who w- was here, um, those guys used to develop the kids. Even Latrell Wrightsell, they developed them. They work on development of their skill sets to make them better. That's why Chucky was ready. Chucky mm-hmm. was ready because they worked on development of the skill set. Milkman on the text line asked, so why don't they teach more about team basketball in AAU? And I'll let you get to that. My first thought on that, Strick, is long-term, they would get more oohs if they taught team basketball because they'd win, and Brains would want to yeah. be associated with the winning. But they're in it for the short term. You know, they're coaching their son. They don't want to be in it for the long haul. They well, want the quick check. Well, exactly. And they're chasing NIL money, mm. right? You're chasing Instagram views and... Twitter followers and hot, uh, hot mixtapes and some of the best players, like for example, Seventh Woods, mixtape, super mixtape, God, God mm-hmm. right? Thon Maker, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And and get there and can't can't even get on the court. To some degree, that's Mac McClung too. Some degree, but he won the big big stage. But he he's actually you know but here here's the crazy thing, I think Mac McClung's getting getting some disservice done to him, and the reason I say that is, he actually has had success in the G League, like he's actually putting up crazy numbers. I mean he's like at one point I think his first year he's almost shooting fifty percent from three. Like, okay, my bad, like, Mac. I take it back. Yeah, my bad. no, no, my bad like boy. he he got a disservice done to him. I think I I don't know if it's his size. I don't know if they think he'd be a defensive liability. I don't know what it is. And it's not just his athleticism. He actually can go. Um, one of my close friends, Jay Stedman, he's a coach for the Rio Grande Vipers. Mm. They were in the finals. I don't know what the, the status of those games were. They were in the championship against Mac McClung's team. I think it's the Delaware something. Blue Coats. Delaware Blue Coats. And Mac McClung's on that team. So he's actually led them to the championship. And I just hope he gets a shot. Uh, Blue Coats took game one, 134-120. Yeah. And I, you can look up Mac, Mac McClung's stats in that game, but I know he was leading that team. So yeah, I I I think Mac had thirty five and seven. There you go, there you go. I'm telling you, he he can actually play, man. Uh, I think he's he's getting done a little bit wrong. Uh, he needs to be on a he needs to be on the roster. He can play. He's not just 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 all talk or just all hype. Um, now getting back to the AAU stuff, man. This is why guys like Emmanuel Moutier and mm. they they go overseas and can't throw it in the bucket. R.J. Hampton. R.J. Hampton. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, there's there's just there's there's a skill set 
difference that those young players get because they practice all week and play two games in a week. Mm-hmm. Whereas an AAU ball is go out on a weekend and toss it up five times in a day and just run up and down and not really work on spacing and all those skill sets. It's the individual stuff that they, they thrive at. And this is why you got Mikey uh, Mikey Williams. I'm 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 looking forward to seeing what Mikey Williams do. I think he's going out to be with Penny Hardaway. I think Penny will get him, you know, um, give him a you know the the right way to play. I think Penny's a good guy for him. I do too. I mean, you look at that that Memphis team that had uh, Emily Bates and a lot of those other freshmen on there. Yeah, that's a tough situation for for Penny to be in with all the older guys he had, all the big name younger guys. Yeah. Tough situation. I think Penny came out the other side much better for it. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. He stuck to his ground. You have to, because if you don't, if you let the asylum run the <laughs> run run the ship, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it's a detriment to your program. And so I'm I'm glad he stuck to his guns on that. We've got to take a break though. Sutter Hammond text line is always open to you, 402-464-5685. Thank you guys for getting into the discussion. We appreciate that as well. Um, there's one, I think Brad, uh, Brad had a question and we can get to it, uh, on the way back. Um, but he talked about what about Michigan state as being a blue blood? And, and you kind of mentioned that we want, we, we want to dig into that a little bit. Uh, we'll be right back. 93, seven, the ticket, the ticket We are on the block. We'll see you in a second.